Hey everybody, Pastor Wayne here from Summit Church of Douglas County. Want to welcome you to the feed here today. Church is going to start in about five minutes. Want to let you know we have, starting today, it's our 21 days of prayer and fasting. Last week we started our 29 days of prayer. And you can join us starting at noon today, going for the next three weeks as we fast and we pray. Just decide what you're going to give up for the next three weeks, whether it's social media or sweets, or maybe you want to do a Daniel fast or some other kind of fast. You can do all this. Very biblical thing to do. I'll explain more about it in the message today. But do me this favor. Will you share this link with a friend, Pastor Wayne H on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, Rumble, and Instagram? And that will help the ministry and help people find uh, our ministry here online. And that's a great blessing and a help to us as well. So this is your five minute countdown. Get a Bible, get a notebook, get a pen, invite a friend to join us or come here in person to 4240 North Perry Park Road and join us for worship. But this is your five minute warning before we get started. minutes and 30 seconds.
set today. We had our first week of 29 days of prayer. How many guys were able to catch some of my prayer meetings online this week? How many of you speak English? Okay. How many of you who speak English caught some of my prayer language, my prayer meetings online this week? Okay, good, good, good. Awesome. I just want to make sure you're paying attention, everybody. So today begins our 21 days of prayer and fasting with our founding church in Birmingham, Alabama. I want to encourage you to join those daily prayer meetings as you can. They, they air pretty early, <laughs> 5 a.m. Mountain Time, but they do stream throughout the day. So you can go back and watch it throughout the day. Go to churchofthehighlands.com, click on 21 days of prayer. And then, of course, I'm going to continue doing the evening prayer meetings that I've been doing on Facebook Live and the social media. And we have a prayer guide. In fact, if you want, on this clipboard, grab one of the prayer guides and see what we're praying for each day. Today, we're going to be praying for authorities, for governmental authorities, for ruling authorities. The Bible says to pray for those who are in authority. And how many know our rulers, our authorities need prayer? Right? <laughs> Yeah, our president needs prayer. Our Senate needs prayer. Our Congress needs prayer. Our Supreme Court needs prayer, right? Our governors and senators and local authorities, our mayors, right? And our town councils and the, the county commissioners. We all need prayer. We need prayer. This church needs prayer. You need God's help this year, amen? None of us have it all figured out. We need his wisdom. We need his strength. So I encourage you to join us for those online prayer meetings. We also have the one-year Bibles that finally come in stock. So if you want to grab one of those for your daily prayer time this year, 
They're, the the cost of them is just ten bucks each. We don't make any money on that. We're just basic. That's just break even to get you a Bible into your hands. But if you can't afford a Bible, just take it for free. We don't, you know, it's already paid for, and we're glad to have you reading the Bible and getting into it day by day. So, we're gonna sing about the amazing grace of Jesus. All right, why don't you stand with me as we do? One, two.
deserve it, but we got it anyway. Isn't that good? Awesome. I'm starting to lose my voice. I can't believe it. Let's open with prayer. Father, we love you. And Lord, if I go horse praising you, that's okay by my standards, Father. There would be much worse ways to go horse. God, because you're worthy. You're worthy of everything we can ascribe to you. Every shout, every praise, every song, every sermon, every teaching, Father. And it'd never be enough to glorify you for what you deserve. So be with us today, Lord. I know some of us are just stressed out. Some of us are wondering about the future. Think about our loved ones that are at home, some of them sick, some with COVID or some with shingles or other sickness. Father, I just pray you bring your peace, bring your healing. We thank you for the blood of Jesus that not only forgives us of our sin, but your brokenness purchases our healing and our deliverance from every sickness and every oppression. So heal my family members and loved ones who are watching the feed today and be with us today in this room as we worship and as we pray. This season of prayer is so important that if we'll start this year seeking your face, we know that you're going to bless the rest of it. You're going to guide us. In Jesus' name. I love this next song. It simply says, I'm no longer a slave to fear. There's a lot of things in this world that try to make you afraid right now. There's a lot of things in this world that try to bring division and hatred and anger. But that's not Jesus. <laughs> that's not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Amen? Come on, church. We got we to gotta get that deep down in our, in our souls. We got to let that soak down to our boots today and say, Jesus, come bring that peace into me. Bring that joy into me. Let me feel your presence and know that you're with me. And I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm a child of God. Amen? Oh, I 
Good morning, Summit Church. 
Good to see y'all here. Uh, just a reminder, we did get uh, a shipment of one-year Bibles. Like this. Well, they don't look quite like this, but they're like this. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, please let us know, and we'd be happy to get you one. Today's uh, highlighted verse comes from uh, Psalm 9, verse 9. And I'm going to let God speak today. It says, The Lord is a shelter for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. Those who know your name trust in you. For you, O Lord, do not abandon those who search for you. Plain and simple, this is the word of our Lord. Amen. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Tim. As I said earlier, we are in the middle of 29 days of prayer. and We're starting the 21-day fast today. We're, we have a different theme. Stick around, guys. Don't, don't go too far. Not, I'm not preaching just yet. <laughs> we're going to pray, and then, then I'll preach. Um, today we're praying for kings and authorities. That's the theme for today. And I have, I've made a little guide here that I'll try to, maybe you guys can take a picture of it later before or after church today. I'll make it a download on the church website. But we want to pray for Colorado in authorities and in, in our, in our, in our nation. And the, the Bible commands us to do that. So let's pray for the leaders of our country. Father, we thank you for the privilege that it is to live here in Colorado, to look at the Rocky Mountains. And, and we're called the Centennial State because it was 100 years after independence that this state was founded. And it's a privilege to live here. And we pray that you would bless our state, bless our nation. We pray for our president, for President Joe Biden, Vice President Kamala Harris, Father, that you'd give them wisdom, that they would be people that turn to Christ for wisdom. They look to the Bible. And Father, if they've been wrong or not teachable, I pray you would teach them. You'd show them what you'd want them to do. Give them wisdom. These are difficult times for everyone. So Father, pray you'd bless them and their spouses and their family and their children. Pray for the Supreme Court justices, for John Roberts, Clarence Thomas Jr., Stephen Breyer, Samuel Alito, Sonia Sotomayor, Elena Kagan, Neil Gorsuch, Brett Kavanaugh, and Amy, Amy Coney Barrett. We pray that you'd give them wisdom, especially in these days ahead as they make some big decisions about vaccine mandates and the right to life for abortion in our country. Father, we pray you'd bring that stain to an end that we would protect the unborn in our country. Father, for the U.S. Senators from Colorado, from Michael Bennett and John Hickenlooper, we pray as they in the Senate um, make some important legislative decisions that they would, they would vote with the priorities of your word and your truth and the love of God. We pray for our House Representatives, for Diana DeGette, Joe DeGuis, Lauren Boebert, Ken Buck, Doug Lamborn, Jason Crow, and Ed Perlmutter. Father, that they would represent us well here in Colorado. And Father, we thank you for the beauty that we have in this state. Protect the wildlife, protect the beauty of the mountains. Father, the resources of water and uh, the wildlife. Father, we thank you for just the wonderful things that you've placed around us. We look even out the window today and we think of how, how gorgeous creation is and you've given it to us. Pray for our governor, Jared Polis, Lieutenant Governor Diane Primavera, for our Douglas County Commissioners, Abe Layden, George Teal, Laura Thomas, for the Castle Rock Mayor Jason Gray, Father, we pray for 
for the church. I pray for myself and for Kim and for our, our officers, for Meredith Motley and for our overseeing pastors, trustees, Dean Hawk, Mark Hardick, Mike Weir, Peter Haas, Paul Watson. We pray for the vision of our church, Lord, that weekend services, the people would come and they'd be saved. They would find Christ in our Sunday morning experiences, Father, for our small group times throughout the week with Alpha Course and discipleship, small group interactions, that people would find freedom in knowing you and the friendship with one another, that people would discover their purpose as they become members in our church through the growth track. We pray for people to discover their God-given purpose, their spiritual gifts in our church, and to use their gifts for your glory. We pray that people would make a difference, not only in the ministry of our church and the four walls that we serve, but Lord, wherever we go throughout the week, that we would see ourselves as lifelong ministers of the gospel. Pray for our nation, Father, for the leaders of our nation, and just for those who are leaders in culture and society, for CEOs and school principals and business owners and teachers and, and school boards and, and everyone who has any position of authority for police officers and firemen and EMS workers and all the pastors of the churches here in, in our area, Father, thank you that I get to pray with them on a regular basis. I pray that you would, just as you anointed Israel with Aaron, that the oil flowed from the top of his head, down his beard, down his robes to the very bottom of his feet, that that anointing from you would flow from the top to the bottom in our nation, in our culture, in our churches, in our ministries, in our businesses, in every area of our society. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I, I didn't have a chart for it, but we're going to sing this one together. I think some of you, you've heard this one before. <laughs> it almost became our next national anthem. God bless America, land that I love. Stand beside her and guide her through the night with the light from above, from the mountains to the prairie. To the oceans, white with foam, God bless America, my home, sweet home, God bless America, my flag on the back of the wall there is George Washington's battle flag, an appeal to heaven. And the notion being that when governments fail you, back in his day, it was King George and the British government, <laughs> when governments fail you, we can appeal to a higher power, a higher force, which is heaven. We can appeal to heaven <laughs> when, when kings and leaders disappoint us. Amen. So we're going to talk a little bit more about the history of that, but let's just continue to pray. God, continue your hand of blessing on our nation and the people of our nation. 
Well, there's one more song, and I'm, I think I'll save it for next time. It's called Came to My Rescue, and I just really encourage you to remember that God is a rescuer. Yeah. It might seem impossible. Situations you might be in seem really difficult, but God is there. He's the 11th hour God. He's never early. He's never late. He's always right on time. Amen. Well, would you uh, say hello to somebody, give them a high five or a hug or whatever you feel welcome, whatever you feel free doing. If you're online, share this link, say hello to someone online. Sorry, yeah, got it. Thank you. I burned up all the time. <laughs> Everybody, I want to welcome you online. Uh, thanks for tuning in to Summit Church here today. You can partner with the ministry if you go to Facebook, click the donate button, go to mysummitchurch.com. You can click the online giving link there. You can text your gift to 303-625-9434 and press send in, uh, in the amount of the gift, your, your gift, and press send and follow the prompts using your smartphone. 100% of what you give by text will go to the ministry. You can also mail your gift to Summit Church, 200 South Wilcox Street, Box 243, Castle Rock, Colorado, 80104. And we're going to get into the Word today. We're going to be studying Matthew chapter 6 and talking about... Um, fasting and prayer and how to put God first in your prayer time. So refill your coffee and grab some notes and get ready to, to study the Bible with us today. and grab a Bible. Turn with me in your Bible to Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. We're going to look at the whole chapter here today. We're talking about, we're talking about benevolence. We're talking about prayer and fasting. We're talking about money and possessions. Jesus gives us lots of good advice today. So as I said, that, that flag behind me, an appeal to heaven. Let me just tell you about the pine tree flag. It was the original flag of Maine, in New England, and the pine tree flag, the appeal to heaven flag, was one of those early American Revolution flags. Uh, it featured that pine tree with the motto, an appeal to heaven, or the less frequent, an appeal to God. Washington, when he originally wrote it, was an appeal to God. And it was originally used by a squadron of six cruisers, which were commissioned under George Washington. So Washington actually paid to build six boats that was the original U.S. Navy, <laughs> and he, he underwrote that himself. He didn't tax the people, he paid for those boats and had them built himself. There's a reason why George Washington is the father of our country. He made great sacrifices with no guarantee that he'd be successful. Of course, he was facing one of the most <laughs> formidable fleets of, uh, of warships in that time with only six boats to defend the American coastline. And so, uh, that was the original battle flag of those six boats. 
It became the flag of uh, Maine. You know, what's, the, what's up with the pine tree? <laughs> when, I, when I started reading the history of this, I'm like, this is amazing. And of course, you see all the pine trees we have around our church? I'm like, how apropos that the prayer flag, you know, the, it's really a, it's a, a symbol for these 21 days of us to make an appeal to heaven and say, please, God, be with us in 2022. Lord, we need your wisdom. We need your provision. We need your protection. We need your strength, right? Like, it was impossible. When you think about what George Washington was doing, it was impossible. He had three horses shot out from underneath him. They still have his battle cloak at the Smithsonian Institute in Washington today. And what's crazy is they say he was shot point blank over and over again, and never, no bullet ever touched him. You, you hold the cloak in the Smithsonian, and you could put your fingers through all the musket holes in the cloak. And it was just like God protected him throughout the war. And as he made his appeal to heaven, obviously the Holy Spirit was there. Probably ministering angels were there protecting Washington through the whole thing. Well, what, what's up with the pine tree? Well, the pine tree is, is symbolic of New England, of course, because when, when they first landed, the pilgrims first landed there in 1620, uh, it was just... It was wooded with all kinds of evergreen trees. And in the late 16th century, predating the arrival of the, col of the colonists, after warring for decades, leaders of five nations, the Seneca, the Cayuga, the Onondaga, the Oneida, and the Mohawk Indians, they buried their weapons underneath a tree planted by the Iroquois Confederacy founder and the great, peace, the great peacemaking chief named Onondaga. And that was a tree of peace where they buried all their weapons and said, we're gonna, we're gonna live at peace. So the tree was a symbol of peace where you bury your weapons. So it's a beautiful picture. And a lot of that was um, done with the help of Hiawatha. If you've ever heard of Hiawatha, she was a great uh, translator between the tribes and an early Native American woman that um, had this romantic relationship with a man named John Smith, if you've ever read any of that story. The colonists adopted the pine as a symbol of flags and currency in the 17th century, including variants of the flag in New England and coinage in the Massachusetts Bay Colony in 1652, leading up to 1682, leading up to the Revolutionary War. The pine tree became a symbol of colonial ire and resistance, as well as multi-tribal support for the independence of America. New England's eastern white pine was prized in the colonial shipbuilding industry for its quality and two decades later, they began exporting the wood as far as Madagascar. So these pine trees found in New England were being shipped all over the world. Lacking domestic production of timber and with imports from Russia and Sweden vulnerable to disruption, England included a mast preservation clause in 1691 to ensure a reliable supply of 24-inch diameter trees for the Royal Navy. Surveyors marked the trees appropriated to the crown with a broad arrow symbol, but the so-called broad arrow policy was never effectively enforced and the colonists cut masts, pines, for sale on the black market. So there was uh, already some rebellion in the black market amongst the Americans then, going, King George wants this tree? I think I want this tree. And so they were selling the pine trees and uh, that, was, that was before the Boston Tea Party. So it was kind of a way in which the crown was trying to uh, exert its influence over the colonies. In the province of New Hampshire, enforcement led to the Pine Tree Riot in 1772, where a statute had been in effect since that time that 12-inch diameter trees were off limits. 
After being fined and refusing to pay for possessing trees marked with the broad arrow, a New Hampshire mill owner, leading other mill owners and townsmen, assaulted the sheriff and his deputy uh, that were sent to arrest him by giving him one lash with a tree switch for every tree the mill owners were fined, cutting the ears and manes and tails off of their horses and forced them out of town through a jeering crowd. This is one of the first acts of forceful protest against British policies. It occurred almost two years prior to the more well-known Boston Tea Party. And, and that protest in three years before even hostilities began in the Battle of Lexington and Concord. So this is a New England battle flag. And you think this is a sign of rebellion. <laughs> like, King George thinks he owns our trees? No, these are our trees. They belong to us. They belong to America. They, they're ours. And so I, I love the idea that when governments fail you, there's a higher authority we can appeal to. We appeal to God. We appeal to heaven. And you know, when, when heaven makes its justice and its decisions, it trumps whatever man's authority says. <laughs> we can make all the laws we want, but if they're unjust and they don't match up with God's higher law, guess which law is going to get struck down? It's not God's law. <laughs> it's going to be man's law that gets struck down. And there can be unjust laws. It, it has happened. It does happen. It happened in colonial times in America. It happened in Germany, pre-World War II and during World War II. I've been reading the writings of Dietrich Bonhoeffer lately, and if you know anything about him, he was a, a, a Lutheran pastor that was a, a part of the plot to kill Adolf Hitler during the war. And he was in prison, eventually executed for his involvement in that plot. But you have to get to ask yourself, when we come to a place where man's authority is contradicting God's authority, or man's rules are contradicting what God's word says, who are we to obey? It's pretty clear. Peter says that very thing when he's standing before the Sanhedrin. And they say, you are not to speak in this name of Jesus anymore. And he says, hey, who are we supposed to obey? God or you? We're going to obey God. Do to us whatever you want to do, but we're going to obey God first. Because your authority does not trump his authority. Amen, somebody, right? So when an unjust law comes, you're obligated to disobey it. You go, wow, pastor, that sounds really rebellious and seditious. It kind of is. But we're part of a resistance movement in the kingdom of God. <laughs> Jesus is not really running everything right now. The devil's kind of running stuff right now, right? And so we are meant to resist evil, right? What does the Bible say? Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Generally, the devil's a coward anyway. <laughs> All he's looking for is a soft target. You're just waiting for a willing soul to go to, to lean over and go, okay, I'll do whatever you tell me. And he's, he doesn't want it with Christians. He, he's looking for the Christian that's, that's kind of half-hearted and kind of lukewarm and easy to convince and easy to fool. I just bought this great book, and I haven't read it much of it yet, but it's called How to Lie with Statistics with Daryl Huff. And it has all kinds of illustrations about how do you take statistics and make them say what you want them to say. There's been a lot of that going around in the media, in news casting, right? They're couching terms in certain ways to make it favor your opinion. <laughs> it can happen with the Bible, people's interpretation of Scripture. People can justify just about anything. Some of you remember back in the high school, I had a, a special guest speaker who came from Hillsong in Australia. His name was um, Cy Rogers. You guys remember Cy Rogers? Um, he was the founder of Exodus International. 
he was he and his lover were the first gay marriage in Hawaii and he was a part of the gay rights movement and all that stuff and he became a born-again Christian and felt that God had called him out of the homosexual lifestyle to, to become straight and he wanted to help other gay men mostly gay men and, and women to to choose a straight lifestyle a biblical lifestyle and uh, he came and did a Sunday morning and preached at the high school, and then he did a question and answer time at the coffee shop. You may remember this? It was yeah. it was like all the stir of Castle Rock. Like, what yeah. is this guy? What's going on? What's happening at Summer Church? Whoa! And Sai and I had some great talks after his discussion. He's, he says, Pastor, you know Jesus is coming very soon? <laughs> like, I, I know. He said, no, but you don't realize how close we are. We are really, really close. I'm like, I know I've heard that before. He goes, no, no, I mean it. And he goes, you need to get this book. And he goes, I've been reading this book called The Fourth Turning. Have you ever seen this book or heard of this book? It's, it's by William Strauss and Neil Howe. They're, they're Harvard and Ivy League statisticians. They're not Christians. They're just culture watchers. And they're seasons of history watchers. They make uh, financial predictions based on markets of what to what you can expect over time and it's uncanny that mankind seems to follow an 80-year season cycle the fourth turning by Strauss and Howe that that mankind every 80 years every generation of people or so goes through sort of a, a springtime season a beginning things are bursting with new life, new technology, new markets, new things are opening up, it's great. And then there's a summertime season where you know things are they're just going really well, the sun is shining, and, and the new things aren't so new anymore. We established ourselves in a new paradigm, a new way of life, a new way of thinking. For us, the, the most recent seasons of history we can think about for that would be World War II was kind of like a winter season. But the 1950s came right after that, right? And the 50s was a high time. That was a springtime of new technologies and new automobiles and refrigerators and all this stuff is happening. And single-income families could, that could be sustained on one income and the whole household could live just with one person working in the house. Wow, amazing, right? And that was followed by the 60s and 70s, the sexual revolution, right? The summer of love. You guys remember the summer of love? It, it was followed by a per, kind of a permissive sinful sexual time and the experimental with, experimenting with drugs and alcohol and music was changing all kinds of new technology and that led to sort of uh, the 80s right we had the technological revolution of computers and personal computing and the digitizing of everything and so these cycles of history you can follow you can go back every 80 years or so and you go from a, a spring to an to a summer to an autumn to a winter. And we are, we probably in 2018 or so, we entered a winter season. We're at the beginnings of what, in the last century, was probably about like 1939 to 19, 1941, 1942. It's a, we're not an all out war, but we're in a scary time where totalitarian struggle is happening and governments are trying to vie for who's going to get all the power and position. And we believers were stuck in the middle going, I want to obey God, but I can't obey man. And I, what do I do? And oh, God, help me. Right? Have you ever felt that way? Felt a little, it's a little scary? Yeah. But guess what? We can appeal to heaven. We can ask God for help. And he will help. We call, he answers. And he shows us great and mighty things that, that we couldn't even have, uh, have thought of or imagined or hoped for. 
And his plans for you are better than you even know, better than you can even think up. And so seasons of fasting and prayer are so vital <laughs> for you to have the right perspective about life and what's happening in the world. Because if you get your eye just on the newspaper or on the internet <laughs> or what's happening in your neighborhood or what's happening to me and my health and my family and what's going on with the turmoil in my life, you're going to get so focused in rather than being focused on the big picture of what God is doing over the arc of history. Does that make sense? So prayer helps us get the right perspective. It begins to, we begin to get heaven's perspective. That is, you know, it's, I don't, it's not about me trying to survive. I don't have to survive. I'm here to make a difference. I'm not here to survive. I'm here to glorify God. And if the best way for me to glorify God is by dying, then praise God, I'm going to go to heaven and I'm going to die glorifying God. Amen, somebody. So life is not about survival. Life is about glorifying God. And you're not going to get heaven's perspective. Just You're not going to stumble into it accidentally. It happens by prayer. It happens by petitioning God. It happens by soaking in his word. It happens by being in fellowship with his local family in the local church. Does that make sense? It happened. You only get heaven's perspective when you begin to focus on heaven and what God wants for you in your life and what heaven's agenda is through your life and what he might be doing through difficult seasons of history. So let's look here at Matthew chapter 6. Jesus teaches about prayer, about fasting, about giving to the needy, about money and possessions. And I'm going to pick up reading and we're going to get right into the teaching. Watch out, Jesus says. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to someone in need, don't do it as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they have received all the reward they will ever get. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. So the first point, if you're keeping track or keeping score here today, is you have to have the right motives for serving and giving. Are you serving and giving? So people say, oh, wow, you're really amazing. You're so spiritual. You're so holy. No, <laughs> no, I don't do it to be noticed by people or for you to admire me. I do it to glorify God. I do it because this is God's heart. Because God cares about people. And so I want to care about people because I care about what God wants. Amen? And so some, some people would look at this as maybe a, a, a contradiction. Like when we, we looked at Matthew 5.16. In fact, you can flip back just one page in your Bible. Matthew 5.16 where Jesus says, um, You are light of the world like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on its stand where it gives life for everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. So it's not that good deeds have to be secret. It's that your heart needs to be right when you do good deeds. Yeah, you should, your good deeds, you don't have to hide them. You can hide them if you want to. You know, if you, you want to get all the reward later. But we don't do the, we don't do the good deeds to get attaboys and attagirls. We do it to glorify God. And you, if you can't do the good deed with the right motive, then you have to ask yourself, why am I doing it? 
And why, why do I need everyone's approval anyway? Don't I care more about what God thinks of me than what people think about me? And so some people might think this is a contradiction where you do this in private and he says, but then let your, light, your good deeds shine out for the whole world to see. Well, the, it's, it all comes down to motive. All comes down to why do you do it? Where is your heart? Are you doing it to glorify yourself? Or are you doing it to glorify God? And the same thing is going to be true when we talk about uh, fasting, when we talk about money and possessions. Again, are you fasting to try to manipulate God to make him do what you think he ought to do? Well, <laughs> fasting is more about our hearts changing than us trying to change God's mind. It's a big difference. So right motives for serving and giving, that's point number one. Point number two comes from verse five. Jesus begins to teach about prayer and fasting. Verse five, he says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think that their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. So that comes to point number two, right motives. First of all, right motives for serving and giving. Secondly, right motives for praying and fasting. Why do I pray? Why do I fast? Well, I, I pray, just like we, we heard from Pastor Chris last week, to disconnect from the world and to connect even more with God. To say, God, I want to have your heart. I want to have your mind. I want to have your word inside of me. I don't want to be so concerned about what's happening out here in the world and, and what's happening in entertainment and all the things that are going on with, with, with the enemy and the kingdom. I want to be so connected with you, Lord Jesus. What your word is doing, what you're doing in the earth, I want to be a part of your plan, God. Rather than a lot of times we come to God with an agenda, right? Like, God, I want this, and I want that, and I want this, and if you don't mind, if you have time, God, will you? He has all the time in the universe, by the way, right? It's, he's going, will you have the time to do things that I'm asking you to do? Will you make room for me, God says? And that's why it's so hard, because... I come into 21 days of prayer and I have lots of things I want from God. My laundry list is very long. And every time I come into a place of prayer and fasting, God says, throw it all away. Just brush it all off. Nope, we're not doing that. Nope, not doing that. Nope, we're not doing that. Wayne, what do you think I want from you? Me? <laughs> yes, I want to spend time with you. I want you. I don't want your church. I don't want your talent. I don't want your money. I don't want anything you think you can do for me. I don't want your fancy plans and your agenda and your calendar. I want you to have my calendar. <laughs> I want you to have my agenda. I want you to be concerned with the things that I'm concerned with. But God, I have all these really cool things that I want. He's like, Nope, nope, nope. You go, but that's a real downer. I wish God would do it my way. He's not obligated to do it your way. He's obligated to do it his way. That's what prayer is for. It gets my heart into alignment with his heart. That's what fasting does. I start going, okay, God, okay, 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 okay. I'll do it your way. 
I don't want to, but I will. I'll submit. I'll be your son. And it always goes better when I do it his way. And it always goes worse when I don't. Come on, right? Anybody with me? Any human beings in the room? You struggle with God doing it the wrong way, and you've been doing it the wrong way for a very long time. Guess what? He's so patient. <laughs> He's super patient. He has the whole rest of your life for you to figure it out. <laughs> every day from now until the day you go home to be with Jesus, you have another chance to figure it out every morning. <laughs> you can get it right. You can get it wrong. What, what's today going to be like? <laughs> every day I have the choice. God, mercies are new every morning. I want to do it your way. I want to do it your way. I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. And so then Jesus goes on to talk about prayer. The disciples saying, God, <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> how do you do this? We see you going off to lonely places and praying. You have this vibrant relationship with God. We want to pray like that. And Jesus, he's saying, this is how you do it. Get alone. You're not praying to impress people. You're praying to connect with my heavenly father. And by the way, this is a revolutionary idea that God is your father. That, had ne that thought had never been introduced before Jesus came along. Jesus was the one who was like, he's not some impersonal force that's just waiting to clobber you out in the universe somewhere. He's your dad. He loves you. Connect to him as your dad. He says, pray like this. Verse 9. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins. And just as we have forgiven those who sin against us, and let us, don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. For if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. And when you fast, when you fast, a lot of us Christians look at fasting as optional, like, oh, I don't, I don't really feel like broccoli, I'll fast broccoli. <laughs> I don't think that's what Jesus is talking about. He says, when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair, wash your face, then no one will notice that you are fasting except your father who knows what you do in private and your father who sees everything will reward you. What is fasting for? Is it to, to show what a spiritual giant I am? No. Is it to impress people? Mm -mm. Is it to manipulate God and make him really do what I want him to do? <laughs> no. It's to, it's to bring my flesh, my mind, my body into submission to say, not my will, but your will be done, Lord. I want you more than I want the cheeseburger. <laughs> and for me, I'm thinking, I start at noon today. I, I'm going without caffeine during this. I'm doing a Daniel fast for 10 days, and I'm going to do a pescatarian slash Mediterranean for the last, 20, last 11 days of it. And going without caffeine is going to be one of the hardest things for me. Whoo, anybody with me on the caffeine? Like, 
How many, how many, just, just to help me, just to make me feel better, how many of you have at least four cups of coffee before noon every day? Okay, we have a problem. We have a problem. This is an intervention for all my caffeine heads out there. Try to dial it back, maybe. And hopefully I can do it. I'll, I'll do some tea. I'll do a lot of decaf, probably. And, um, you know, if God leads you into a fast, he is also going to give you the grace to do it. It's not going to be a burden. It's not going to be something like, oh, I can't believe I don't get the coffee. No, no. <laughs> he's going he's gonna to be like, no, look at what you've chosen. Look what I'm giving you because you've decided to come away and separate yourself unto me for a little while. What always happens when I do without, suddenly I have a, a quickening in my spirit. There's a joy that comes. There's a, a grace for it. There's a peace that comes over me. There's like, wow, God, I can't believe I don't do this more often. Like, I feel so close to you right now. During seasons of fasting and prayer, my, the clarity of my thinking, the, the insights I get from the word, it just goes to another level. And I encourage you to do it with us, even if it's something simple and small. But do it for the right reasons. And of course, what we see here, when Jesus gives us the Our Father, a lot of Christians misunderstood things, that we're supposed to pray this exact prayer. Like, pray these exact words exactly as he said it. Like, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> that's a pattern. He said, this is a way in which you should pray. It's not the exact way to pray. It's pray in this manner, in this way. And there's a pattern we can see in the Our Father. Adoration, adoring God, praising and worshiping God. God, you're bigger than all my problems. You're bigger than every situation. You're the one who made all of this. You're a creator. You're my heavenly father. You're, you're loving, you're good, you're kind, you're gracious. You're everything that I need. You're my all in all. The ancient of days, who was from the very beginning and will always be. When you begin to adore God for his eternal qualities. Suddenly your problems don't seem so big anymore. Like, wow, God, you are big. You're amazing. You're beautiful. You begin to adore him. That's big. And that leads to the C. And this is an acronym, by the way. You can write it down. ACTS. A-C-T-S. The A in ACTS is adoration. First of all, adoration. When I see how great and beautiful and wonderful God is, I look at myself and I go, that's not me at all. I'm a sinner. I'm so, I'm so fallen. I, I am so selfish. I'm so full of me. I'm a bad listener. I care mostly about me than other people. Like, come on, any human beings? So, so when I come into God's presence, I begin to see my shortcomings, my failures, my sins. That leads me to the C of Acts, A-C-T-S, confession. I start saying, God, please forgive me. Please forgive me of my lust. Forgive me of my anger. Forgive me of not trusting you in my fear. God, please forgive me. That's not who I want to be. When I begin to confess my shortcomings to him, he goes, I know, I know, I've been trying to help you. God's like, oh, now you can finally admit it. Now that you admit it, we can work on it. But if you go, oh, I don't have a problem with that. I don't have any sins. I'm perfect. Hmm. You might have self-righteousness. <laughs> you might have a holier-than-thou attitude. You might have a righteousness that doesn't come from God, but that comes from filthy rags of thinking you're better than everybody. Ooh, that's worse. That's, that's a really bad sin. That's a, pride of, that's a sin of pride, which goes before a tremendous fall, the Bible says. And of course, when I confess and I receive the forgiveness, I believe that his grace is sufficient. 
It's enough to forgive me. That, that, that fills my heart with thanksgiving. Like, God, I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful. I don't deserve any of your love. I don't deserve your peace and your forgiveness, but you've given it anyway. I don't deserve the job you've given me. I don't deserve this car I get to drive. I don't deserve this beautiful wife I get to sleep with every night. Come on. I don't believe, I don't believe all the great things you've given me, God. I'm so thankful for all of your gifts. And that's what the gratitude is, uh, the gratitude is all about. Can you think of at least five things every day that you're thankful for and not repeat the list for a week? <laughs> Probably, right? <laughs> I think we could. And then that leads finally to the S that we love about prayer, supplication. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication, bringing your needs to the Lord. And we are supposed to pray for our needs. Right? Not, not only forgive us of our sins, but give us this day our daily bread. Right? God cares about your needs. He cares about you being able to eat, being able to have a roof over your head, having good health, being able to be sustained for the day. He knows that we worry about these things. And he'll give you what you need. You have to ask. You need to keep on asking. And then Jesus goes on to teach about money and possessions. Verse 19, he says, Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat and rust destroys. He said, But where thieves can break in and steal, store up your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. For wherever your treasure is, the desires of your heart will be also. So heart follows treasure. Heart follows treasure. You want to start caring more about the ministry? You care more about church? Like, I would care more, but I just don't. I just don't care. Well, start giving. Start, start writing a check at church. You're like, you'll start caring more about this church if you start writing a check. Come on. You want to start caring about certain stocks? Start investing in those stocks, and then you'll start watching the index every day. Like, oh, what's happening with Bitcoin today? Right, whatever you're investing. I'm not making any recommendations, anybody, <laughs> just in case Bitcoin really tanks. You, you, whatever you care about, your heart follows your treasure. Make an investment there, and you'll begin to care about that investment. And that's so important. Jesus continues, says, but your eye, verse 22, your eye is a lamp that provides light for your whole body. When your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is bad, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if that light that you think that you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. No one can serve two masters. You'll either hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink, enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food? And your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. For your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make clothing, yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and then thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying what will we eat, what will we drink, or what will we wear. These things dominate the thoughts of the unbelievers. But your heavenly Father, Father already knows all of your needs. Seek the kingdom of God 
above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything that you need. Don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. I almost called this, this talk enough for today. I'm sure Washington, when he had those six ships and they put up the flag for the first time and they see the 35, 40 warships of Britain coming towards him, like, how are we going to do this? There's only six of us. God was with them. He preserved them. He protected them. Point number five, put your trust, put your total trust in God. Total trust. That can seem really scary when it has to do with your income, with your livelihood, with your home, with your finances, with your health, with your body, with medical decisions. It can seem really, really like, I, I can't, God, I can't trust you with that. I gotta take that back. I'm gonna, I'll make, thank you very much, but I'm gonna make my own decisions, God. Bad move, bad move. No, God, I'm gonna trust you. I'm gonna trust you. So vital. Well, there's so much more we could say about prayer, but I, I would just say let's move this conversation online. You know, if you want to continue these prayer meetings with me at night and these morning prayer meetings. Um, last, last Thursday, we tried to do an in-person <laughs> prayer session, but we weren't able to do it. How many would be able to come on Thursday night if we did a Thursday prayer meeting to this, this week? Thursday night? A few of you? Yeah, try to come if you can this Thursday night. And we'll stream it live as we normally do, but we'll also have an in-person gathering on Thursday night when we normally would do Alpha. Maybe we'll pray for some Alpha stuff on that night too as well. We have a lot of people watching and listening online. I know I have, I have heard from many of you that have committed your life or given your life to Christ since watching or listening. And maybe you're in the room today and you want to make sure that you have your home forever in heaven. There's a little bracelet that we make in kids church and kids ministry we'll get back to doing it again it's a little bracelet with with uh, six colors black red blue white green and yellow the black represents sin sin is a stain it separates us from god we know it's wrong and we we can't cover that sin ourselves we can't pay for it ourselves so that brings us to the red bead the red bead represents the blood of jesus the jesus blood covers our sin not only covers it, but it removes the stain of our guilt, which leads to the white bead. Now, we're, we're washed pure. It's not just that we're covered, that you know we can go on our merry way, but God actually declares you holy, righteous. The very righteousness of God in Christ, that holiness is what he imparts to you because of the blood. But you, that doesn't just get given to you. It's a faith decision you have to make, which leads to the blue bead, which is putting your faith into Christ, saying, yes, Jesus, come in. I want you to forgive me of my sins. I want to walk with you. I want you to be the leader, to be the Lord of my life. And then when you do that, it leads to the green bead, and that's growth. You become a Christian, it's like you're a baby all over again. Jesus said, whoever comes, who's born of, of, of the Spirit, is born again. You become a new creation. It's like starting out all over again. And there are lots of baby Christians that never grow up. But God wants you to grow up. He wants you to mature. He wants you to start reading his word. He wants to begin to, to act and talk and to speak the way Jesus did. And then finally, 
you get to the yellow or the gold, which re represents heaven. The streets are paved with gold. Jesus said, if I go away, I'm going to prepare a place for you that where I am, one day you're going to be there also. He's making a way for us to have a forever home in heaven. Aren't you glad that this isn't all there is in life? Aren't you glad that there's a better world coming? <laughs> yeah, I am. I am. Well, if you want to give your life to Jesus today, it's a simple prayer. Church, let's pray it out loud for those who might be praying it with us online. Say, dear Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I believe God raised you from the dead. According to the scriptures. Please come into my heart. Be my Savior and be my Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. We want to put a Bible into your hands. Father, I pray for all those who are watching today who are sick. I know of many, many, many that are sick, some with loved ones in the hospital in the ICU today. Would you raise them up, get them off ventilators, get them out of the ICU, bring them home safely, we pray. Be with the loved ones, family members, and friends that are dealing with those with COVID and pneumonia and other, other issues that can be so scary these days. Give us a peace that surpasses all human understanding. Help us to trust you in every circumstance. During the season of prayer and fasting, help us to set aside Christ in our hearts and we would get away, get away from all the distractions and put our focus on you and your word. Fill us with your spirit. Help us to be the people you want us to be. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you. Lift your countenance and give you his peace. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thanks for being here, church. Wonderful, wonderful people. You are the best people in all of Douglas County. Best looking, smart, good, all the, all the compliments. I can just lay a lavish on you. I think you're wonderful. And uh, so let's, let's do the season of prayer together. If you want to partner with the ministry, you can hit the donation box in the back. And avail yourself of resources, too. Like, those Bibles are great. The New Living Translation, that one-year Bible, if you've never read the whole Bible, only 20% of Christians have ever read the whole Bible. 80% have never read the entire thing. So you could be part of a very elite group of those Christians that know what the Bible says from beginning to end. And even if it takes you two years, like, oh, I, I did, I failed, I missed a day, don't, just pick up that day next year, okay? Here's what you do with the one-year Bible. Get out a pen, read the day, put a check next to the number when you did it. And you just keep those check marks, boxes. Every day you do it, and then if you miss a day, just pick it up next year, all right? Eventually, you'll have read the entire Bible. And how many of you have read the entire Bible? A few of us. Okay, good. How many of you were shocked after you read the whole thing? There was the stuff that was in there. You're like, I can't believe this is in here. Right? Yeah, of course, of course. So it's, it's a life-changing book. It's the greatest book ever written. So anyway, that's all I have today. God bless you. Go in peace. Serve the Lord. Have a wonderful week, everybody. We'll see many of you online. Take care. Thank you so much for tuning in today to the ministry of Summit Church and the daily outreach of Wayne Hansen. You can support our ministry in many ways. Click the donate button on our Facebook page, Summit Church of Castle Rock. Visit our webpage, mysummitchurch.com, and click the online giving link. Or mail your donation to Summit Church of Castle Rock, 200 South Wilcox Street, Box 243, Castle Rock, Colorado, 80104 
or finally text your gift to 303-625-9434 and follow the prompts using your smartphone. You can also support us by connecting with our online community. Comment, like, share, follow, and subscribe on our various social media channels. Of course, we appreciate you joining us in daily prayer. I'm Sean Rima, and on behalf of Pastor Wayne and the Summit Church family, take care and have a great week. Remember, God loves you, and he has a wonderful plan for your life. Thank you so much for tuning in today to the ministry of Summit Church and the daily outreach of Wayne Hansen. You can support our ministry in many ways. Click the donate button on our Facebook page, Summit Church of Castle Rock. Visit our webpage, mysummitchurch.com, and click the online giving link. Or mail your donation to Summit Church of Castle Rock, 200 South Wilcox Street, Box 243, Castle Rock, Colorado, 80104. Or finally, text your gift to 303-625-9434 and follow the prompts using your smartphone. You can also support us by connecting with our online community. Comment, like, share, follow, and subscribe on our various social media channels. Of course, we appreciate you joining us in daily prayer. I'm Sean Rima, and on behalf of Pastor Wayne and the Summit Church family, take care and have a great week. Remember... God loves you, and he has a wonderful plan for your life. <laughs>